now that we are in the right place, hearing from you, trusting in you, encouraging one another, um, not just talking about uh, frivolous things or worldly things, but Lord, talking about you and how you're working in our lives and how you are faithful. We do pray for Pastor Jerry. Thank you, Lord, that he can be home and rest. We pray for uh, a quick recovery for him and that his, his thoughts would be upon you as he rests. And we pray for Andrew as well. And Lord, others who are homesick today, resting and recovering, Lord, be with them and, and bring them back among us soon. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, so much division and, and violence. Lord, we pray that you would, would stem the tide of evil and that uh, our country would be a place where your people would be free to proclaim your word, free to serve you, and free to point the way to you. And we pray over these next weeks that, Lord, our officials would, would conduct themselves in an honorable way and that uh, righteousness would rule uh, in our land and that you would make us your faithful witnesses as we go out. And Lord, many other unspoken requests, we lift them to you, we, we come before you, and we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray when you had us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'll read the question and then let's respond together. Question 55. How does Christ make intercession? Christ maketh intercession by his appearing in our nature continually before the Father in heaven in the merit of his obedience and sacrifice on earth, declaring his will to have it applied to all believers, answering all accusations against them, and procuring quiet conscience, notwithstanding daily failings, access with boldness to the throne of grace, and acceptance of their persons and services. <coughs> Excuse me. Question 56. How is Christ to be exalted in his coming again to judge the world? Christ is to be exalted in his coming again to judge the world, in that he was unjustly judged and condemned by wicked men, shall come again at the last day in great power, and in the full manifestation of his own glory and of his Father's, with all his holy angels with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, to judge the world in righteousness. Wow. The first one reminded me of Christ's faithfulness to pray for us, even when we're not always faithful to pray for others. Christ is praying for you and for me. And then this vision of glory, of the victory that we have in Jesus that we can rejoice in. But we come to the time when we confess our sins, when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, we're growing, but we're still not perfect, and we need your grace to keep going. 
So please pray with me this prayer, which is for you in the bulletin. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all mankind, we acknowledge and confess our many sins we have committed against your divine majesty. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our wrongs. The remembrance of them is grievous to us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for your Son, our Lord Jesus' sake. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please you in newness of life. To the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And this is something we need to remind ourselves of often. Thinking about what we've done, but then thinking about what Jesus has done for us. To meditate upon that. Now receive this, the assurance of pardon from Psalm 85. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. This is the good news that we have in Jesus. That all we deserve, all that should have come to us, Jesus willingly took upon himself for you and for me so that we would be forgiven and so that we can walk in newness of life in him. So we're in this together. We're encouraging one another. We're a community where we forgive and love and where healing happens. Now we have the opportunity to worship through giving for our offertory. So I invite those who are coming to receive this morning's tithe and offerings to come forward as I pray and lift up this time before the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can give to you, that we can give tangibly. Lord, our, our, from our finances, but Lord, also our very lives. We are living sacrifices. Lord Jesus, you are our Savior. And we live for you, for you now and for your purposes. So may your purposes go forth uh, through grace and through your church all over this world. May your word go forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen.
doxology. It is Phil's birthday today. So, happy birthday, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. And looking forward to hearing what God has to share through you. Thank you. It's a good birthday present to be able to preach to you this morning, to hear you sing. It's a beautiful song we just sang that goes along with this passage. So, I'll be preaching from 1 John chapter 1 from verses 5 to 9. So if you would, you can turn in your Bibles to that passage, and I will read it and then pray. This is what the Apostle John says in his first letter. Chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Please play, pray with me. Our Father, we thank you. And we ask now that you would grant your light, the light of your word, the light of your love, that it would flood this place, fill our hearts, that we would no longer uh, walk in darkness, but would walk in the light, and that we would experience you, experience fellowship with you and one another, and change us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I would like to talk about the fact that we were made to walk in the light, having fellowship with one another and fellowship with God. And that our sin plunged us into darkness, and the darkness blinds us. But through godly repentance, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be restored to fellowship with God and with one another. And finally, that God has spoken to us, and that there is no neutrality in terms of how we respond to him. So we were made to walk in the light, and our sin plunged us into darkness, but through godly repentance, we can be restored to fellowship in the light. And lastly, we'll talk about how God has spoken. But by way of introduction, I want to just talk about fellowship for a minute, because in this section here, 
John is assuming that you read the first few verses, in which he says that that which we have seen and heard, in verse 3, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we were made to be in fellowship with one another. And we were made to be in fellowship with God. And all of us, all of us know this intuitively. And when we look at our culture, we see this desire to belong. We see this desire to find some place, some group of people where I fit in. And today we have lots of examples of people thinking about identity in new ways, trying to figure out who am, who am I, where are my people, where am I accepted for who I am. And so we all have this longing for belonging somewhere. And the biblical understanding of that is that we were made to belong, to belong to God and to belong to one another. And some would say, there is no place where I fit in. Some would say, I prefer to be by myself. And we've seen examples of this. And uh, there's the, one of my favorite movies is Jeremiah Johnson. And so he heads to the mountains to forget about the troubles of this life. And there's a certain sense of romantic adventure there and, and being a mountain man. But that's not what we were made for. And so there's a certain sadness with that as well. Though there are circumstances in which people may find themselves alone for long periods of time, and we can think about Moses, and I think about David being a shepherd. He was by himself, didn't sleep in a house with his family every night, weeks maybe on end, grazing and traveling with sheep and being alone. But even in a situation like that, and especially in a situation like that, we can see how David had a really deep sense of God's presence with him and a longing for that presence. And so we learn the same thing, that we were made to fellowship with God and with one another. And so there are no loner Christians, no just me and my Bible and Jesus. And that's it's a delusion. There are no loner Christians. There are only immature Christians who haven't realized the need for one another and the blessing of fellowship together and how that's how we walk together in fellowship with God. And so fellowship in the light keeps us in the light. So we return to church week after week to hear the word of God preached. And the message that we've heard is that God is light. Now, you can't really define God, and the Bible doesn't really define him in a clear and concise way. But one theologian uh, that I love to read says that this passage... The closest that the Bible really comes to defining God are in ways like this. God is light. God is love. And so what does it mean that God is light? It's a description of his essence. And we can see from other things that John says in his epistle that when he thinks about God being light, he associates that with truth, with love, with faithfulness, with righteousness, and with joy, and many point out that the idea of God being light uh, refers to his holiness, that he is just a holy God, and he alone is light, and the source of light, there is no darkness in him. 
And the same theologian I just quoted also says that when God created the world, he put all things in dominion, under, under man's dominion. The earth, the animals, except the lights. Light is not given to man to control. It comes from God alone. It's only something we can live in. And so we were made to live in this light, to know his love, to be like him, holy, righteous, to speak truth, to love. But of course, our sin has plunged us into darkness. And so he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And so from the very beginning, our Parents ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now we have knowledge of good and evil. We have knowledge of light and darkness. Whereas we were made to live in God's light, sin plunged us from that darkness, and now in a state of darkness, we try to understand the world. We try to understand light and darkness from this blinded perspective. This is everywhere evident. People know that there's darkness. They know that there's this light and darkness, but they can't make sense of it apart from God's truth. And so we hear every day about what is wrong in the world, about who is at fault. We hear that Americans are more divided now than ever. And not only do they think, you know, ideas are problems, but now actually people are problems. People are the bad people. People are what's wrong. And we hear also so many affirming the need that we should all just be able to come together. We should be able to live at peace. People point out the division, but few offer any true answers. Because the answer is sin. And as we see in this passage, sin is something we're prone to deny. But you can't make sense of light and darkness apart from sin. You can't avoid the darkness if you avoid sin. Sin has broken our fellowship with God and has broken our fellowship with one another. And look at the things that John associates darkness with in this epistle, with lies and deception and self-deception, with hatred, with evil, with the very things that we see people pointing at every day and saying, look at all this stuff. Where does this come from? And when you mention sin, they say, no, nah, that can't be right. That's, that's, that's crazy talk because sin has blinded us. And so since our sin has blinded us, we need light to shine upon us and we need to repent. Repentance through faith is the only way that we can be restored to fellowship. You see, as we long to belong in a place we want to be accepted for who we are, but oftentimes we want to show who we want to be and people to accept us for who we want to be. But God is the only one who sees perfectly in the dark, who sees our condition, who sees perfectly into the deepest, darkest parts of our heart, but he doesn't respond by hating the way that we would do. He still offers fellowship to those who were his enemies. He offers healing to the broken, cleansed from those who are stained with sin. And so he offers this salvation in his covenant. I will be your God, 
and you will be my people. And I will save you from this sin. And there is that restoration, that relationship, again, restoring his people to fellowship with him as we were made to be. And so we see that phrase throughout the Bible. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so those of us who have come, who we attend church, we know that Jesus is the answer. We can be encouraged, but we also have to realize that John is writing this letter to a church and that there are people in the church who still are prone to deny that they're sinners, that they have sinned. And so we have to also be aware that in these end times, the kingdom of God has come Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom, yet we are still waiting for the end when it will be consummated and we will live in perfect uh, peace in the presence and light of God. We're still susceptible to the false teachings that the early church was. People look for communion, they look for belonging, and sometimes they find the church as that place. It's a place where people are nice and so they feel good. They may not be interested so much in personal devotion to God, so much as finding a place that gives them a sense of identity, a sense of security in terms of feeling like they're a good person. Some may be interested in theology and, and see it as a fascinating endeavor. They may be more philosophically minded intellectually minded and theology is intellectually stimulating. Some may even become teachers, but not in order to teach as Jesus taught, but in order to have influence, to have a following, to be somebody. They don't necessarily see themselves as hopeless sinners looking for grace and showing other hopeless, hopeless sinners where they can find it. So we have to be aware of that because John is making us aware of that. And people like this do not have true fellowship with God or with his people. And so eventually they leave. And later in this epistle, John addresses that. And so we must not be fooled by people like that. We must not think that, well, maybe they were Christians and now they're no longer Christians anymore. They were saved and now they're no longer saved. But we must remain faithful to the testimony that John proclaims to us in this letter, which he heard from the Lord himself. And that testimony is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Therefore, if you have believed that Jesus cleanses you from your sin, put all darkness behind you. Let yourself be rid of darkness by flooding yourself with the light of God's truth, his word. And this is not a one-time thing that we do. Christianity is not a convention center where you get through the doors and then you can go and mingle and do your own thing as long as you like. It is a continuous experience of communion with God and with one another. And so we return week after week after week, to be reminded by the word of our need for cleansing from sin. And so we come back to worship the name of our Lord and participate in the sacraments, 
in remembrance of him who died for us. Because somewhere, someone who's claiming to have fellowship is walking in darkness. And perhaps, perhaps you have been tempted to take a walk in the dark this week. Or maybe you have. Or maybe you have been lingering on a dark street corner for some time. You know this, and God knows this. We have to remember that we are prone to deceive ourselves, which is why John reminds us to walk in the light, as he is in the light. Do not neglect communion with God. And those who say they believe, yet don't feel the need for church, it's suspicious, because we know that when we come back here, we're convicted of our need to continually confess our sins and receive the cleansing that comes through faith in Jesus. And when you neglect communion with God, you are more prone to deceiving yourself that you have no sin to confess or that you have not sinned. And this is a very dangerous place to be in. And it's easy. I remember about a year ago, working at the post office um, in Christmas time, Sundays are a big thing, and so I had to work some Sundays. And uh, after a few Sundays, my paycheck got bigger, and it was kind of fun, you know? I didn't like going to work while my family was at home, but at least you're there, it's kind of a relaxed environment, you're working, you can get used to it. And I just remember feeling how easy it would be to say, I, I, can, I can go to church less, I can work more on Sundays. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't that be good? I could see for those who have that temptation where it comes from. And so it was a personal reminder. It, it doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. I grew up in church. I, I can't remember a, a Sunday I missed just because I didn't feel like going. Um, but even still, it's dangerous to, to neglect communing with the saints. And so we, remind, we are reminded by John, walk in the light. And our testimony, our walk, is a testimony, not only about what we believe, but also about what we think God has said or hasn't said. I want to draw your attention to verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Have you ever thought of yourself calling God a liar? It's not something that has crossed my mind much. But in our actions, the way we live, the way we respond to our sin implies something about what we think God has said or hasn't said. And this separates true teaching from false teaching. True teaching starts with what God has said. And false teaching starts with what we want to say. And John here is reminding us that God has spoken. We have heard a message and we proclaim it to you. And he has spoken. And what has he said? He is light and we are sinners. And that we need him 
and the salvation that comes only through him. As fallen people, we are naturally averse to repentance and true faith. And we form our ideas about ourselves, that I'm not so bad, that I'm a good person, and if there is a heaven, I'll get in. I may not be perfect, but I'm not really a sinner. Or maybe I am a sinner, but I'll be forgiven. Or maybe even some say, I, I would probably go to hell, but I would prefer that. That was the kind of company that I prefer. I don't know about you, but I've heard these things many times throughout my life as I've had conversations with people. But God has spoken. And here's what Jesus says. When, uh, when he's standing before Pilate, Pilate says to him, so you're a king. And he says, for this I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. So God has spoken to us. In these last days, he has spoken to us, as the book of Hebrews begins by saying, spoken to us through his son. I testify to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, says Jesus. And Jesus is talking to his brothers in John chapter 7. They're trying to get him to go up to Jerusalem to do all of his fancy miracles, and everybody will believe in him. And he says, the world, the world can't hate you. The world doesn't hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. And he says that he came to seek and save the lost. And so he began his ministry calling for repentance and for faith. And so God's testimony to us through Jesus is repent. You are in darkness. I am the light. You are in your sin, and I can cleanse you with my blood. Eat of my flesh. Drink of my blood. Be healed. Be cleansed. Believe in me. And we are in a world of people who recognize sin but don't want to call it sin. Sin implies something that's out of their control. Or if they call it sin, then they minimize the judgment for sin. God won't really. God hasn't said that. Has God really said? I don't know about that. And over and over and over again, we delude ourselves with lies. Lies about ourselves, lies about our, lies about our sin, lies about God. And in so doing, we make him a liar. We call him a liar. How dangerous a place to be in. And it is a great blessing that he has given us faith, that we can hear this and that we can repent. And it's a reminder that we still need to repent. We still need to walk in the light because we are still susceptible to telling ourselves, mm, that was okay. Or, you know, it'll, it'll be all right. I don't really need to think about that anymore. God is testifying to us. He's convicting us. And how do we respond? By acting like it's a lie? Or do we submit to his word and show that his word is in us? 
When we accept that Jesus is the Lord, we admit our sin and our righteousness, and our unrighteousness, rather, and we confess our sins. When we say that he is Lord, we're saying what he has spoken is true, true about us, and that we need him. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God has spoken, but he hasn't only spoken that you are guilty. He has spoken, come to me and I will give you rest. And if we do not respond to that, our actions, we, we call him a liar. Not, you can't give me rest, but believe that he can give you rest. He has said, I will be their God and they will be my people. Sometimes, many times, people don't want to, they don't want to be in the light. They don't want to be part of God's people. They want to continue doing and living the way that they want to live. Let us not be like them, but let us confess our sins because he is faithful and just. Faithful to what? Faithful to his promise that he will heal us. Faithful to his promise that he will cleanse us. Faithful that if we partake of his blood, then that will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes it's really hard to believe that we can really be forgiven. Have you ever talked to somebody who says, I just don't believe that God would ever forgive me? And so they don't. It's another lie, part of the blindness of sin, the darkness from which we, from which we must be saved. God says, I will save you. How can we believe this? Because he sent his son to die. He did not spare his own son. And so we come in faith and repentance, recognizing that our fellowship with God is not because, because we realized it was a good thing and we made the grade, but that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He is the one who is faithful. Though we are faithless, he is faithful. He is just. He is righteous. And when we see our unrighteousness, we can trust that God is our righteousness, that Jesus is our righteousness. So hear these words. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've been learning about this in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to go into verse chapter 2 because my little children, he says in chapter 2, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the sins of the world. When we are restored to fellowship with God, when we realize that it's not because it came from us, that it's not because of who we are, but because of who he is, then we find a place of belonging. We find where we were made to be uh, all along, where we were created to live in relationship with him. 
then we find the fellowship that we're looking for with one another because we realize that I don't have to be accepted by you because of who I am. And I don't have to accept you because of who you are. Rather, we love each other because we both, we've all received the love that God has given to us. And so it's not about who is like me, how I am, but realizing that we're all lost. I don't have to worry what you think about me, and you don't have to worry what I think about you. Because at the end of the day, we can, we can love each other knowing that God saved you. You know, God saved, how did this person get saved? And then you can look in the mirror and say, God saved you? <laughs> and when you feel that, then you can look at one another you have that fellowship, that true fellowship with one another because our fellowship is not with just merely human beings, but realizing that our fellowship comes from our fellowship with God. And that is how we were made to live. So walk in the light as he is in the light. And let us pray. Father, we give you thanks because you are good, not because we are good, but because while we were lost in darkness, while we were dead in our sins, you made the light shine in the darkness, that the people in darkness would see a great light, bringing hope to the hopeless. And you transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And Father, this is your doing and your doing alone. So we thank you. And we give you the glory and honor because it is all due you alone. For you are light and in you is no darkness. Father, give us grace to walk in the darkness, to walk in the light, to repent of our sins, to seek the cleansing of Jesus' blood, to live in faith, and to walk in the light as you are in the light. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now God's parting blessing to us from Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.